0: Each episode of this podcast will be a bit different, which shouldn't come as any surprise to anyone considering who's making this thing. My name's Jay, introvert extraordinaire and procrastinator extreme, and I really, really hate the sound of my own voice. So I figured, why not make a podcast forcing me to have to listen to the jarring timbre of my own vocals, yeah? And no, that doesn't mean I'm going to sing. That would be weird but I am going to read random things I've written over the years. Sometimes poems, sometimes short stories, sometimes journal entries, essays, or just random thoughts, feelings, insights, and whatnot that come to me at, you guessed it, typically three in the morning. The topics will range from personal beliefs to random commentary on past and current pop culture, to books I've read or music I love, To interesting things I've learned, to my take on various forms of fiction and literature, or taboo tropes I adore or despise in particular fiction, to, well, really just about anything. I also like to add in a word of the day to help broaden our vocabulary skills and even provide inspiration which can strike at any time for any reason. And, as a disclaimer and trigger warning of sorts, most of this is unscripted and uncensored, so expect quirky, raw, honest, and undoubtedly controversial material to randomly pop up and be discussed. Or simply pop up. No discussion needed. If you like what you hear, then share this podcast with your friends, family, neighbors, coworkers, random stranger me on the train, and subscribe so you can be the first to know when new episodes are released. I'm going to try getting them out on Thursdays with an occasional Sunday thrown in if I'm feeling up to it. You can also drop me a voice message on Anchor with questions or suggestions. Hello and Happy Halloween! Welcome to our final episode of Haunttoberfest. As promised, I have for you all a special sixth episode to conclude our month of fright and fun. So. My surprise for all of y'all is a glimpse into my dark and twisted mind. No, not not really. Um, then again, week in week out, I thought you were already getting glimpses into my dark and twisted mind. But it's fine. Uh, yeah, this you know this time, it's not really a glimpse into my dark and twisted mind. It's just I'm gonna read you guys an excerpt from. The draft of a book that I wrote eons ago, and like I said, I was trying to figure out what to read for you guys today, and I don't know. Like there, there were quite a few options, but I just I couldn't do any of them <laughs> for various reasons. So this one, I figured, you know what. Let's just go with it, even though it's still in developmental hell, basically, and probably will stay there until the rest of forever. You know, it had a kind of, kind of cool vibe. And um, like I said, don't get me wrong, it still needs work. But I figured, hey, why not? I can give you guys a little peek into something that I was writing. Um. So this is chapter thirty-four, or as I like to call it, Inception Part Three, when night falls. Um. This isn't going to be the whole chapter either, because the whole chapter is like fourteen regular pages. It probably like forty novel-sized pages. Like it. it it's long. It's probably going to get cut up into several chapters or something or whatever. But. Yeah, this is the first part. Um, I'm not going to give you guys a synopsis, just an interesting little read. So sit back, listen, and enjoy. So the title of my novel is called The Sound of Settling. This is the first part of chapter 34, Inception, part three, When Night Falls. Koto woke at dusk to the sound of drums. Her body felt heavy, like it had been underwater for a long, long time, and only now broke the surface, emerging from what could have been its watery grave. A low, steady drumming pounded from afar coming from seemingly everywhere and nowhere at once. She rubbed her eyes and looked around, scanning the vicinity for either her mentor Mikkel or Nocti, but found neither one was present. She was utterly alone. And yet, where was the drumming coming from? Nervously, she checked again, though this time to make sure she really was alone, looking for signs of, anyone else lurking in the dark. She found no one, much to her utter relief, and wondered if perhaps the drumming she was hearing was merely the sound of her own rapidly beating heart thrumming in her ears. Fat chance, she knew, but she couldn't think of any other possibility. And honestly, she didn't want to. Breathing out a heavy sigh, her breath blew up a reddish plume from the ground, causing her to cough violently. She waved her hand in front of her face, trying to clear her sight and her nose. Covering the ground, in a thick layer, was a sort of rusty, reddish clay that smeared her hands, leggings, and bare feet ruddy. Frowning, she squashed her fear for a moment to reach down and touch her foot drawing back and rubbing the smooth clay between her fingers, testing it. Where had all this come from? She couldn't remember seeing any of it before she fell asleep. Examining the area a bit closer, she noticed a few other things she hadn't seen before, like the moat and the deep pit ablaze with a roaring fire lighting the entire area. But what she noticed most distinctly were the strange markings strategically etched about the clearing. In the clay were scribblings akin to henna patterns drawn into the ground cutting across the earth. Outlining every pattern were what appeared to be a language made of beautifully dizzying squiggles and lines, dots and dashes, the blaze crackling in its pit seemed to have a mind of its own flickering up into the darkening skies beckoning her gaze upon it until like in a trance her eyes wavered to it and locked on her skin felt warmed though she knew the air was getting colder the quicker the sun retreated to the far off horizon the pounding grew louder and louder and closer where were they Where had they gone? Her thoughts ate away at her, putting doubt and unease into her, even as she tried to tell herself they had merely left for some food or water. But then she remembered tonight was to be her inception, and her heart stilled in her chest, breath catching as the night finally set in. The clearing seemed darker than it had the night before. Even with the silvery light of the moon, and the amber-orange glow of the fire that held her gaze. From her left, she heard a sharp howl, which made her jump near out of her skin and jerk her head in the direction it came. But as she turned, to her right, another howl sounded, louder and closer this time. She backed up, not sure where she was backing up into, or where she thought she might be going. It seemed a good idea at the time, the drumming sped up, increasing in tempo and timber, startling in its ferocity. Flashing about in the darkened woods, surrounding the clearing was movement, darting about, stalking, prowling in the brush. A snarling and a yelp of a dog, or maybe something larger, echoed from her left. Then the impact of a body, large, powerful, and fast, Tackling and bringing down its prey. Then it stopped. The drumming noise stopped on impact abruptly, deafening in the darkness. Background music for a kill. Her mind went silly at the notion, terror filling her, when only silence greeted her, returning to claim the clearing for its own. No drums, no howls, no racing about in the dark. Halting her movements, she held her breath, gulped, and slowly turned her head in the direction of where the last sound had come from. Nothing. She kept staring, a deer in headlights, every muscle tight and pumping adrenaline and terror into her veins. She drew herself close, large emerald eyes widening further as she gulped again and forced herself not to feel fear. Slowly the howls and the drumming returned, growing in intensity, becoming ever louder, becoming one sound, one voice crying up to the moon. Dark clouds drifted across the sky until they buried the full, heavy moon. Koto nearly cried as the clearing went completely dark in that instant. The fire whispered out of life, plunging everything black and cold and silent. No... She cried to herself in a tiny voice, a whisper laced in growing panic. Her eyes darted about, but she could see nothing. No matter how hard she rubbed her eyes, tried to squint or widen her pupils, her eyes just refused to adjust to the near pitch blackness. Minutes. Hours and eternity passed, and she quaked and trembled, expecting anything to jump out at her and eat her alive. A hand reached out behind her and grabbed her by the shoulder, and she let out a blood-curdling scream that could shake the entire planet. Blindly throwing up her hands and fighting off her attacker, she kicked and screamed and punched, but the grip wouldn't let go. A guttural sound that couldn't even be called a growl let loose inches from her face, and she saw through the darkness two rows of sharp, white, pointed teeth inside a long, white muzzle, black lips drawn back, teeth clenched tightly together. She literally stopped breathing. She felt faint. Every ounce of strength left her as she thought, this is it. This is the end. This is how I die. For a second time. The face pulled away from hers, and her breathing started up again in harsh, quick, ragged breaths. As the clouds cleared, and the pale, bright moonlight flooded the clearing again, the figure of her attacker was revealed to be none other than... Nocti? How? But he was just himself. No wolf muzzle, nor rows of wolf teeth bearing down at her. But his hair was down from its usual high ponytail, and the long scarf he tied about his brow was missing. Curiously, she couldn't find it anywhere in his person, which was also curiously garbed in only loose-fitting trousers that cut off just below his knees. His feet were bare and covered in dirt, like he had been running or chasing something down. Her gaze zeroed in on the blood seeping out of the gnarly wounds sliced into both of his shoulder caps and she shuddered. But then she stopped when she noticed the blood did not drip down his arm. Instead, the blood absorbed back into the wound, which began to rapidly heal itself the longer she looked on it. It revealed some sort of bizarre design cut into the flesh before disappearing altogether into the skin. On the backs of his calves were two large tattoos she had never seen before, in the same strange henna-like patterns etched into the dusty clay, only in black, standing out starkly against his alabaster skin. She looked up into his eyes, double crescents floating in a sea of vermilion red, ringed in chartreuse green, mad eyes crazed eyes, and for a moment he looked at her like he knew her very soul. Despite that, his gaze flickered past her to what laid beyond, just over her shoulder, to something or someone which held his gaze and never let it waver. And then he took her hand and pulled her to her feet. Koto turned to see what caught his eye. A sharp gasp left her as she quickly backed up into Nocti's chest. He grabbed hold of her and held her steady, firmly clasping both shoulders to keep her off him. Processioning out of the wood were at least fifty wolves in two long lines, side by side, one behind the other. They stepped lightly and unhurriedly in her direction, all in time to the beating of the drums coming to encircle the two of them in a ring of fur and teeth. Koto glanced around, turning slightly to see them all. Their pelts looked soft and beautiful, their eyes golden, blue, black, or red. They looked reasonably harmless. They're just the pets, Nocti spoke up suddenly, making her jump and whip around to meet his gaze. Which still hadn't wavered from in front of them, locked onto something else in the distance, something that still had yet to come. These ain't your pas de Then, where are they? she asked, and where's my mentor, Mikkel? As if on cue, out of the darkness a voice answered her, I'm right here. Koto jerked her head around towards the end of the procession straining her eyes to make out the single figure slowly advancing closer, walking astutely out of the darkness. Mikkel stepped into the clearing, looking no different than he had when she had seen him a week ago. Mostly straight, mid-back length, blonde hair, blue eyes like nothing, anything of this world, light build and stoic, inscrutable features, long feather earrings hung from both ears, His clothing had changed, though, now strangely foreign, like nothing she had ever seen him in before. The clothes flowed like water, loose and comfortable with decorative patterns and trim in bordered gold, silver, and Asia. The colors were that of the moon and the night and him, all matching from the loose tunic on his chest to the long billowing pants settled on his hips. The only thing that seemed so grossly out of place in the whole ensemble was the presence of a second sash tied to his waist above a pure white one wrapped snugly around his hips. The second one was a startling crimson that seemed to drip, drip, drip like blood to the ground. It took all of a minute for her to realize that it was indeed blood. The sash was drenched in it. She felt herself shaking, suddenly afraid of this person standing impassively before her, more terrified than being surrounded by hungry wolves, more frightened than knowing she may not survive the night. She was terrified of him, watching her with those eyes that had always secretly paralyzed her with fear because they saw too much, much more than they ever should. A low howl pitched to her left, then another to her right. One after another, the wolves began to howl until a cacophony of shrieking howls rose into the air, shattering the once silent night, and she could no longer hear the drumming in her ears. As the crescendo escalated, Mikkel took a step forward. She jerked back reflexively, falling down to land ungracefully on her butt bat-paddling away a good foot or more unconsciously before she stopped. Breathing frantically, she stared up at him with wide emerald eyes. Mikkel remained detached throughout all of this, never once saying a single word of reassurance or anything at all to counter the growing panic that she felt. It was time to begin, and he would allow for no delay. Without any warning, He dropped the shroud of otherness, that veil upon which so many of his kind could manipulate and bend to their will, as he so often did, and let his muted human image shift to his har form, subtly rippling from within. The effect was seamless, like recapturing a vision after blinking one's eyes. Koto gasped at the change, eyes widening as she took it all in. There was a shift, a rippling through the air, like burning ozone or sulfuric gas permeating, suffusing everything within reach. He was something out of this world, and knowledge that haunted those eyes and tinged them darker, fiercer, more hostile than anything she had seen them before. There was perhaps true evil lurking in those eyes, or perhaps something much, much worse. apathy Distance, indifference, understanding, there were years in that gaze that she had only glimpsed at before. Memories, dark and tormenting, buried in the catacombs of that gaze, held tightly behind a face too young to know such horrors. And there was anger too, burning, smoldering beneath that gaze, just underneath the surface of its perpetual ice. If Koto had to guess, she would say this is why the others followed him. This was why Nakti warned her about their truest nature before all this began. Because with the illusion dissolved, the beast who would wore her future mentor's face could come out, and not roar as she might have imagined, but stare and watch and wait. And yet The most significant change was the one thing Mikkel had talked about, the thing he claimed singled his people out regardless of their beauty or supposed lack thereof, his eyes. Besides the sheer beauty his kind exuded from every orifice of their body, was the stunning brilliance of their exotic eyes, eyes that held galaxies, eyes that held the stars, radiating their cosmic defiance. It said they are the stars and the planets themselves, and in that moment, looking into his eyes like that, anyone would believe it. If they survived, that is. For to behold something so cosmic, a strangeness so breathtaking and awesome, was to allow oneself to glimpse into the very core of a stellar phenomenon. To be in the presence of such magnitude would surely shred oneself apart. It would risk destruction of oneself to stare into the eyes of a star without blinding oneself. Or worse, and Koto stared. She faced what she had been running from her whole life and gazed right up into the very face of the sun, whose body seemed to lose substance, yet gain this incredible heaviness before her very eyes. Contradictory. It seemed fitting for him, She knew she didn't know him well, but from what she could tell, nothing was ever as it seemed with him, and this just proved it. Beautiful, yet deadly, polite, yet predatory, sympathetic, yet calculating, he didn't fit any mold, and that frightened her. Now he was and wasn't before her, a body made of energy and light, yet with a presence so vast it was crushing She couldn't breathe, couldn't see, couldn't move, couldn't... Come, let us begin. His otherness pulled to her own. This androgynous being tore into the heart of her, hunting for something like itself within her. And something reached back, cried out. She tried to stop it, tried to pull it back in, but he'd already seen it. Already seen the side of her, she tried to hide under pretty makeup, and cute, outrageous clothes. Why do you hide, Amalas? Why do you hide from me? Because I don't want to be like you, she tried to scream, but found she couldn't. She began to panic, struggle to cry out, say something, do something, but she couldn't move, couldn't speak, could barely breathe in his presence and the realization seized her further i i really can't move I'm, I'm i'm paralyzed what what is he what what did he do to me why can't i move why do you know what fear is my dear his silken words cut through her inner turmoil her eyes burned as they took in all that he was the alienness the strange otherness of him remained fixated on a sight they knew they should never behold. She felt something in her writhe and horror at it, shrivel and let out a blood-curdling scream and die under its gaze. But then another part of her preened under it, tried its best to stand up tall and proud and unafraid. She could feel herself struggling to stay awake, Stay conscious under that unnervingly unblinking stare of this monster, this beast slowly stalking around her. Fear is all, respect, reverence, understanding. It is our truest self revealed. We each have it. Humans refer to it as alpha, beta and omega personalities. We call it fear. She didn't know why he was telling her this. What the hell did it have to do with her or the supposed ritual she had to undergo? She just wanted to be done with this. Be away from him and his strangeness so she could go home. His home. I'm moving in with him, aren't I? Guess there won't be much running away from him once that happens. If that happens. I'm not entirely sure he's not about to kill me right here and now. A light chuckle. I'm not going to kill you, Kotoki. Generally, spasm from shock. He continued on. Yes, I can hear you. And the fact that you can still think while I'm before you like this proves my point. You're a rare fear, girl. A rare fear indeed. And that is where I'm going to stop off. (laughs) I know you guys are probably like, what the F? what is even happening, but listen, that's, if I go any farther, then it's going to really get into the meat of the story, and I, 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 yeah, it's, it's, this is the only part that's like, kind of good, (laughs) so (laughs) that is where we're going to cut off for today, and yeah, I hope it sparked your curiosity, and gave you a little bit of a fright this wonderful, freakish, spooky Halloween night. I don't know really what else to say, um, but yeah, like I said, I hope you enjoyed, and I hope you're having a lot of fun. Stay safe, wear your masks properly, and have a spooktacular night. Cheers. for listening and I hope to see you all back here for another episode next week or the week after or the week after that. Listen, how about we not make any promises and just say, see you again another time. Yeah? Cheers. Mm.